Welcome to DBAX Podcast. The future technology and stuff. This is the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Sports, 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 sports. From the field to the front office, the ballpark to the broadcast booth, it's time to talk DBAX baseball. I just think about baseball. Here are Greg Schulte. And he rockets one to deep right center. That is long gone. And Steve Berthium. In the gap at the track at the wall, and he's got it, A.J. Pollock, wow! Play ball! From Salt River Field to Talking Stick in Scottsdale, Arizona, this is D-Backs Podcast, the official podcast of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our 32nd D-Backs Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7, as we come to you on Wednesday, the 10th of February, which means, boys, we are exactly one week away from D-backs pitchers and catchers opening up spring training with official workouts the 17th of this month. That's when the season formally begins next Wednesday here in Scottsdale, although the facility here has been very busy and has been for quite some time. I'm Steve Berthume. On this episode 32, we go over the latest Diamondbacks news, a pair of signings, one new player and one renewed. We will also have a Really entertaining and interesting extended conversation with infielder Brandon Drury. Talk about coming up through the Diamondbacks minor league system, working out at Camp Tulo with Troy Tulowitzki over the winter, and his expectations for the upcoming year. Brandon Drury joins us later in the broadcast. First, we are thrilled to have back with us, Leo. This is big. It is big. Big. Returning from a successful two-week pleasure cruise of the Caribbean. Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? Whichever you like. I call it Caribbean. All right. Well, you want to know. You were there. Well, the, the <laughs> yeah, I don't was, even know if I heard it the mentioned. The song was Caribbean Queen, right? Billy Ocean. Yeah. Billy Ocean, Caribbean Queen. Fresh from strolling the Lido deck aboard the Pacific Princess, the man who's <laughs> been the voice of the Diamondbacks since day one, uh, known on this show as the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham. It's the governor, Greg Schulte. Glad to be back talking baseball, believe me. Welcome back. How was the cruise? It was good. It was good. Went to Aruba. Uh, not the Beach Boy. Was Aruba, Jamaica. Who you got to take me to? Bermuda, yeah. Bahamas. I didn't do all those. But uh, Curacao got to uh, former Diamondback Didi Gregorius' home country. and So you got to see where Didi grew up playing yeah, baseball. Yeah, saw the baseball What's that field. Like? They're into baseball there. I saw some Diamondback caps floating around, some Yankee caps, uh, and Relton Simmons. Uh, there are several I don't know if you call them Curacaoans or whatever, you that are mm-hmm. from that country that are playing the game of baseball right now on the major league level or have played, Sidney Ponson or Randall Simon, among others. So it's uh, it's it's a growing sport over there. Randall Simon, who, of course, attacked that sausage in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. Poor sausage. You know, he wasn't a bad player. He also hit uh, a ball into the uh, river there, right? Wasn't he the player that uh, originally hit the first ball on the fly on the river? Might the Allegheny, I think he was. Right. Might be right. In uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, or one of the first. Maybe that was Daryl Ward. I think it might have been Daryl Ward. But anyway, Randall Simon, yeah. The cur- the how was the, uh, how was the what do they say, the vessel, the ship? It was good. It was big, uh, uh, roomy, but, uh, you know, very comfortable. No uh, no tough seas that we encountered. Uh, very calm, calm travel. Now, you've done, you and Nancy have done uh, Alaska. Done several now. You've done Alaska, mm-hmm. the Caribbean. You got Hawaii. You got a, Hawaii. You got a big one coming up, too. Are you still doing the? We're doing uh, Panama. Panama Canal, right? Do a Mediterranean one down the road. How about that? It's fun. Leo, have you ever... You get to be my age. You you just kind of get on a ship and sail. (laughs) (laughs) Look, look, honey, there's the water. (laughs) Let's hit the buffet. (laughs) Yeah. Also, on the program, uh, the man who came up with a nickname for Mike Farron, who was filling in for the Gub last week. Uh, He is now known as the Moral Compass, Mike Farron. Leo, I went back and listened to the show as I occasionally do. Thanks for listening. You dropped that in there uh, last week. The Moral Compass, I thought, was a good nickname. I'm a little sneaky every now and then. Every now and then I'll throw something in that's worth And the reason being? He's an ordained minister. He's actually. Farron actually will not be at FanFest this year because he is marrying a couple. Uh, some friends of his. He is. Uh, can do it at the ballpark. He's got one of those. Yeah, everybody else does. <laughs> but as he showed us, he's got one of these credentialed. Uh, he can perform. Uh, really. United Church of Rolling Stone magazine or whatever it is. And it may come in handy somewhere down the road. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I won't say the first thing that popped into my head, but. 
So he is uh, wow. the moral compass, Mike Farron. But uh, here with us this week is the mother of dragons, the Kingslayer, Leo Bad News Gilmartin. Good to still be here. Uh, did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was, uh, that, was the was, yeah. that was the national reaction. Yeah. It was a terrible game. Yeah, commercials were so-so. There were a few good ones. It was a tremendous defensive performance, though. You know, I've heard that football fans defend the game by saying, well, it's like a one nothing shutout in a baseball game. But a one nothing shutout in a baseball game, you're watching a pitcher go out there eight, nine innings and be brilliant. There was no brilliance on the field that I could see Sunday night. It was just, uh, ugh. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't excited. How about the end, by the way, where Peyton Manning <laughs> wins his second Super Bowl, walks off the field, presumably for the final time. He, he didn't confirm that he'll retire, but that's the speculation. And the first thing he does, he takes two steps toward midfield and kisses Papa John. Yeah. yeah and then goes out there and starts selling Budweiser. That was awkward. <laughs> so I, I thought to myself, Leo, on your last night of Diamondback Radio, which uh, if things continue in the current path, may be this year. I'm just kidding. Uh, which which famous TV product pitch <laughs> person would you uh, would you kiss as you were walking off uh, out of the booth and off into the wild blue yonder? You know, I probably since I can't kiss like the Rocky Mountains or uh, or Adolf Coors, um, I think I might go. Uh, I think I might go Mila Kunis and oh uh, from the from the Jack Daniels yes end, where she's putting it yes. in the barrels. That's a good yes, pick. Both I've for seen those product yeah. and uh, and pitch person. I think that works out well. I swear, I like what you've done there. Nice yeah, work. Yeah, I, I need a little help on that, but I you know. But she is uh, storing all her whiskey in barrels, and she's going right. to pick well, it up it, in like six years, right? Yeah. Isn't, right. That, isn't that it the takes ad? Time. Yeah. It takes, so, but you're willing to wait. Great things take time. Yeah. Well, look at this show. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we're still waiting. <laughs> Absolutely, but no, I think that that's a, I think that's a real good pick. I like it. Uh, I was uh, Monday and Tuesday in Los Angeles at the annual Fox Network baseball meetings. and uh, Well, Fox does a great job, uh, the boys in L.A., of flying in all the, the broadcast teams from the local. We're flying in Candiotti to Leo's house to, for our radio. Is that working? We don't have quite the same Airlift setup. him in there in the <laughs> helicopter. Where but, would he fly into, Mesa Field, or where, where, what's close to you? Have you got an airport out there, Gilbert area? Williams or? Gateway. Okay. Yeah, that would be the closest. <laughs> Well, there's 15 or 16 Fox Regionals that do games, and they, they fly in the, 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 the TV play-by-play guy and the color analyst and the producer and the director, and then Joe Buck comes So there was in. a Brentley signing? Harold Reynolds is there. <laughs> uh, Tom Verducci was there. Oh, the big one. Ken Rosenthal, John Paul Morosi, and Bob Brentley did make an appearance. BB flew in and quickly flew out. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't expect anything else. But we have, so what they do is they have two days' worth of meetings with all these announcers and, and, and you know, Big shot types in one room, and they we watch games, and they say, "Hey, we you know this was good, and this." Well, what was better. the big topic of conversation? Well, it was interesting that uh, Tony Petiti, who is the COO uh, of baseball, was there. Used to run MLB Network, and now is uh, Rob Manfred's right hand man. But uh, he talked for an hour about expectations for this year, and one thing that sort of jumped out at me was, and this is something we talked about on this program a couple of weeks ago, was the DH and how it seemed inevitable, and there was a lot of talk that maybe even in the collective bargaining agreement that's going to be negotiated over the course of this year, it expires December 1st, that we might see the DH maybe even as soon as next year. Well, Tony Petiti really backed off on that and said that Commissioner Manfred really enjoys having that differentiation between the American and National Leagues, and that DH makes each is probably the last thing that makes the two leagues different, I would guess. So right? did Cardinal GM John Moselec speak out of tune? Or? It seems like that was a little overblown. And Tony Petiti said that uh, the commissioner really likes that, and there is no sense of urgency or push, at least from the commissioner's office, to have the DH anytime soon whatsoever. See, I think, if, and if they do that, that puts another iron on the fire, so to speak, with the collective bargaining agreement something else they have to deal with. And I, I think yeah. they've got some stumbling blocks right now. You know, Free agent compensation is yeah, a big one, expanded exactly. rosters. Because, yeah, you yeah. know, the Howie Kendrick thing is a good example of that. So, you know, if they throw that on there, then that's another area that they have to look at. Maybe it's something down the road that uh, that they that they look at. But I, uh, I, I thought it was coming a little bit quicker now than maybe we guessed. I think Rob Manford, you remember last spring, Rob Manford did an interview with Carl Ravitch, and he told Ravi 
that uh, he was perhaps even thinking about outlawing defensive shifts. Yeah. And everybody went crazy. Yeah. And I think Rob Manfred learned to be very careful what you say because anything you throw out there, it's the internet. It's the Bible. Oh, yeah. Well, the internet will glob onto yeah. it and blow it out of proportion. Right. And, and we jumped on the DH thing, but it wasn't just coming from the commissioner's office. Mosellock said that it was out there. Other owners were talking about it. It seemed more prevalent. The CBA is coming up. It seemed to make mm. sense. But uh, if you don't like the DH, that was good news. It doesn't seem like it's coming anytime soon. That is good news. Uh, yeah. The 154-game schedule will not happen. Yeah. That That's a lot of talk that's going nowhere. It's a financial situation, scheduling conflicts. It's a revenue deal. TV They're contracts. Not, yeah, TV yeah. contracts. They're not going to 154 no. games. It's not going to happen. And you might think to yourself, well, it's only eight games, but that's four home games and – well, you some, know, for each team. Yeah, and somebody asked Tony Petiti, what about the idea of playing four or six day-night doubleheaders over the course of the year and then having more off days if you had to stay at 162? That's something that has to be collectively bargained, and there's no way the players' union is going to sign off on half no. a dozen no. doubleheaders a year. No, I, not do I, I think the one thing they have to look at, and it's been talked about so many times before, we talk about it all the time uh, as broadcasters even, that mandatory day game on getaway day. The, the one thing I looked at when our, the schedule, and I think Rogers pretty yeah. much got it. I think there's one game that's not determined yet. That's that Sunday game in Chicago, but he figured it's probably going to be a one o'clock game. There will be the Diamondbacks are going to play 50 day games this year. That's about a third of their schedule. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I counted 50 day games. Wow. That, that makes a, that makes a huge difference for everybody. And there's nice. a stretch when we play. You know, when we play those two game series with Houston and Chicago. Yeah. That entire week out of that seven days, we play six day games. Ooh, We've like got that. one night game in Houston. That's wow. good info. Yeah. Look at you. Well, you know, Breaking I'm just kind of. That's what he was I'm doing on the cruise. On the day yeah. games. No. <laughs> Believe me, <laughs> I wasn't doing that on the cruise. <laughs> uh, the one other thing I picked up from uh, the Fox Network baseball meetings. Talking about sliding into second base. Mm -hmm. This has become a big issue with a chase up play close on, that, right? on Ruben Tejada. Yeah, they are allegedly close. They have to. Um, here's the thing. It looks like, remember how when they had the catcher's interference rule, right. the Buster Posey rule, how you have to, the catcher is obligated to at least leave part of the plate open to the runner and right. leave him a path to the, to the plate. It seems like the same sort of thing is going to happen at second base where the runner coming into second base and that's always sort of been the rule. You have to at least be able to touch the with base the hand, yeah. while you slide way out with your foot and try to trip the Which infielder. makes a big difference for a guy who's 6'5 compared right. to a guy who's 5'8. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but it seems like the solution that they're headed toward is there has to be part of the base. Like you have to go for part of the base and be closer to it, something like you'd have to be more your body in line with the base right. than the and, hand. And it's very ambiguous. Yeah. And it's it's not easy to come up with this stuff. What it's going to be is going to be a judgment call from the umpires. Yes. Which it already is. Which it already is. But I think they're getting stricter guidelines on what to look for. I think that might be where the clarification comes. The other thing was, and we've seen this a lot now with replay, is when the guy slides into second base and pops up. Right. And he comes off the bag right. for half a second. A millimeter off the bag. Yeah, there's the one cleat. And, of course, the infielders have all been trained to keep the right. glove on the guy's leg the entire time because the momentum of the slide and the pop-up carries him off the bag for half a millisecond. And then we slow it down, and then we look. Oh, there, he's off the bag. Right. They're trying to fix that. The problem is nobody knows how. And it looks like, for now, they're going to be told, look, you don't want to be called out, stay, stay on the bag. bag. Well, I think we all agree. Uh, and, and if I had Tom Candy out of here and you feel about Bob Brindley here, there would be five of us in agreement that sliding in Major League Baseball has taken a big downship. It's oh, yeah. horrible. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the way guys slide nowadays. And head first slides yeah, where they I mean, break fingers. Just, uh, so you're right. I mean, stay on the bag. There is no way to fix that that they yeah. can think of. Yeah, but there seems. is that there is that pop up though that yeah. that you know sometimes it's an injury thing or something that you know you you get the bag but just your momentum or whatever you don't leave the bag you're not past the bag but you just lose contact for that split second and it costs you. Yeah, and, and we've seen it. And that, when yeah. you slow it down to replay and they can freeze frame it that one millisecond where yeah the guy's off the bag he's being tagged he's out what do you want me to do? They don't, there's no way to fix that. So, there's so just, what was the overall consensus about replay? 
Uh, no major changes whatsoever. They like the way that it's going. But just a tinkering, like you said, with the with the, with yeah. With, yeah, they're trying to somehow figure out a way to delineate coming at a second base. Yeah. How far away from the bag you can stray, and it seems like it's not going to be very far. Um, but there is no way to prevent a guy from coming off the base. You got to stay on the base. What about the the stall tactic the the manager makes as far as going out and they like where they were last year. They we really didn't see it. There wasn't much stalling. I can only remember. I can think I could count the number of times on one hand I saw a manager go out on there the field. There are a few last times year. that I thought ah, they got to they got to fix. To argue with an umpire. You know what's interesting? And I think uh, we were talking with Alan Campbell last week. Uh, we do Allen as a franchise. Allen and Chip, we do a pretty quick. We do a pretty good job. Allen does a great yeah. job. I mean, just as far as getting it, getting a decision quickly. And you know what? I, I think analytically, when you have a, a certain feeling about it, if you give yourself more time, you may have a, a more of a chance to overrule yourself. So I think if you're determined. Make that decision right away, and I think yeah. Allen did a great job that way. Yeah, but there's Chip. other teams that did take oh, yeah. too much time. No, they're yeah. very happy with with the progress they made on replay last and year. And it'll be, be I think it'll be yeah. better. They don't see any big changes with replay. They are shortening some of the breaks. Again, it goes back to pace of game, and it's not necessarily the length of game. Although yeah. they want the games under three hours, it's more pace of game. Yeah. You know, less dead time. So they are, but they are cutting down the breaks even further than they did last year between the innings. Were they talking too about one uh, trip to the mound or something? Or? Yeah, there's all kinds of things out there. I, yeah, I don't think been, you're not going to see any yeah. changes that are worth noting other than the second base thing. Yeah, if it's not broke. Yeah, I think it worked pretty well yeah. last year. Diamondbacks uh, busy this week, boys. We mentioned on last week's episode that the train of Aaron Hill to Milwaukee. In addition to bringing Gene Segura to the Diamondbacks, freed up roughly $4 million of additional payroll. And that money, in the words of GM Dave Stewart, definitely gave the Diamondbacks more flexibility to do something else. There's no doubt that was very, very helpfully said. So what they did was reinvest that money in the roster. doesn't go in the, in the pockets of the owners. It goes right we back into the ball club. Yep, not with the way Mr. Kendrick runs things. They signed free agent Tyler Clipper to a two-year contract. Twelve and a quarter million dollars. Uh, various sources have reported the deal includes a four million dollar signing bonus, salaries of four point one million this year and four one five next season. And uh, Tyler Clippert apparently very surprised yeah, about uh, the slow free agent market and the fact it took him this long to get a contract. He was here earlier this week, but uh, very happy to be a Diamondback, he says. Well, this is the one area that you and I had talked about uh, that Diamondbacks needed to shore up their bullpen. You know, they'd, they'd touched up uh, big time the starting rotation, and you would really hate to see the additions there and then that bullpen not be, you know, rock solid. So I think his addition, he's a, he's a guy who will appear in 69-70 ball games. Uh, strikeout guy, uh, you know, he can come in and get some. He can close if you need him. He can pitch the eighth inning if you need him. He can pitch a little earlier in the ball game, but he gives them some depth, and uh, I'm glad to see them pick him up. Yeah, we have talked about the idea that they needed one more veteran, established, big league-type relief arm back there for some depth and to get you some high leverage outs late in games, and this guy fits the bill. He will turn 31 years old this Sunday, Valentine's Day, uh, last season, Tyler Clippard, a 2.92 ERA, 69 appearances with the A's and Mets. And Dave Stewart said the innings that the Diamondbacks had concerns with, the 7th, the 8th, and ninth. here's a guy who's got a great track record, done outstanding work over the years, and they think he'll be a great fit. Did I, did I read or hear or am I imagining that didn't the, somebody come out and say they're probably going to go back to a 12-man pitching staff? Uh, you know... That evolved so much over the course of the year. Well, if you got five rock-solid starters, which you, you think you're going to have, you, you're going to have at least three, and then Ruby and Ray or uh, Godly. Godly Archie. Or, yeah, you've, you've got some uh, people there to choose from. And then if you go with a seven-man rotation, I think there's still kind of an onus on Randall Delgado and, and Andrew Chafin what you're going to get out of those guys as far as out of the bullpen. Now, if Randall and Chafin pitch as they did last year, then I think this bullpen is going to be really good. And the addition of Clippard joining guys like Hudson and, and, and uh, uh, Ziegler and then Coleman being the long guy, I think it's, it's a pretty good, pretty good bullpen. The bullpen as of right now, Josh Coleman, mm -hmm. long guy, Randall Delgado right. and Andrew Chafin, right. who's the only lefty still, by the right. way, 
Tyler Clipper, right. Daniel Hudson, Brad Ziegler. Yeah, so that's so six. You've got room for one more. Could be a lefty. Well, you've got a lot of young hard throwers. We talked about this last week. Silvino Bracho, Enrique Burgos, Evan Marshall, Jake Barrett, Dominic Leone. They've also brought in some veterans. Cody Hall, Sam Lequeur, uh lefties Adam Lowen, Wesley Wright. They so there are a lot from. of candidates for this mm-hmm. bullpen, and it seems like there's only one spot left. Yeah. Now that could change, you know, if somebody doesn't have a good spring training or, you know, an entry crops up. But, yeah, that, that's the way you'd look at it right now. There aren't really – If I think, guys, if we look at this Diamondback roster, this 40-man roster going to – going, let me see, we're in Scottsdale. So where are we going? We're going west to Chasefield, a little southwest. A little, yeah, southwest. So you can't really say we're breaking camp going north. Mm-hmm. So we're breaking camp going a little <laughs> southwest. But I would think that – there aren't many positions available whatsoever. There's a lot. The well, they love competition yeah. in camp, and they have yeah. more than ever this year. And oh, that bullpen is certainly no exception. It, you know, Tyler Clipper has been a very underrated guy for a long time. I was looking at his numbers. Did he start with the Yankees, didn't he? He st- came up with the Yankees yeah. where he was the Yankee Clipper. Right. Right. And we got it. It was good. No, no, I was waiting pretty for good the, for a Red Sox guy. I was waiting for the drum, the little drum noise. Didn't it? Uh, but how about this? Nine major league seasons, a career ERA of 2.88. Yeah. Seven seasons in Washington. He has averaged just under 10 strikeouts for every nine innings pitched. You mentioned a strikeout guy. But he's not a high-velocity guy. No. He's a fastball changeup guy primarily. And he began last season, Tyler Clippard, as the closer in Oakland, yep. finished the year pitching in the World Series with the Mets, and along the way uh, collected 19 saves. So you could put him in there if you need to. But following that midseason trade to New York, he did seem a bit to wear down and fatigue a bit. Uh, he allowed five runs in six and two-thirds innings in the postseason. He was not really effective in the World Series. Might recall, came on to start the eighth inning of Game 4 versus Kansas City at City Field. Mets had a 3-2 lead. Uh, but he walked two in that inning with one out. He missed on a 3-1 to Zobrist, then not close at all on a 3-2 pitch down and away to Lorenzo Cain. That's when Terry Collins, you might recall, brought in Jury's Familia to replace Clippard to face Eric Hosmer. He hits the ball that goes under Murphy's glove. Eventually, both of those walks scored, and Tyler Clippard got the loss in game four. But despite that, he's, he's had a ton of success. He's worked a lot. He's been very durable. In fact, over the last six seasons, no relief pitcher in the major leagues has thrown more innings than Tyler Clippard. And you hope that doesn't catch up with him. But That's the concern. That's the concern. He's only going to be 31, right, this week? He'll turn 31 on Sunday. So he's still young. Uh, He has averaged 75 innings per season the last seven years. And he's an extreme fly ball pitcher. His fly ball rate last year was 61%. That's high. Um, So he's not a ground ball guy. But Dave Stewart said they did their research. They know that Tyler Clippard was used very often in the first half of the year. And that, as we saw last year, can wear down a relief pitcher toward the end of the year. And it seemed like that happened with Tyler Clippard. I'm sure the Diamondbacks, too, probably talked to Maddie a little bit, who had him that first sure, year. You so, bet. you know, That's a great resource. Yeah. How about that? But there had been some concern about the, uh, the fastball velocity, so I went back and looked it up. Go back to 2012, Tyler Clippard's fastball averaged 93.5 miles an hour. So since then, he's gone with the fastball velocity. This is average, 93.5, 92.9, 92.6, and last year, 92.4. So there are tiny incremental drops there. But he's getting older, and there's more innings on those arms, too. Yeah, but he's basically, over a four-year period, only down one mile per hour off the fastball, and he's not velocity-dependent anyway. He's fastball changeup. Right. So I don't see that as being a big deal, and there is still – a 13-mile-an-hour difference between his fastball and his changeup, which, which is, is huge, extraordinary. Yeah. And 85% of the time, he's throwing a fastball or a changeup. There's a little bit of a slider in there, too, and a couple other things, but it's mostly those two pitches. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out because Ziegler right now is going to be the closer. Uh, is it Huddy in the eighth inning, or is it Clipper in the eighth inning? I think it's going to vary depending mm-hmm. on which guy has worked. Mm-hmm. To me, Huddy who's a great story and a big weapon. You know me, I've been campaigning to make him the Diamondbacks version of Wade Davis, and he kind of is. But to me, Huddy seemed to have 
problems on the second day where he pitched back-to-back days. He wouldn't be quite as sharp. And we'll have to talk to him about this. Yeah, and that could have just been or adjusting crisp. for the first time to, you know, yeah. the, the, the his role. But uh, And coming uh, off the Tommy John. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, he's got a year to, to prove that. But uh, I, I sure like that fastball velocity. Yet. Oh, wow. he's th- throwing 100 yeah. miles an hour. Bye, guys. So you've got Clippard, who's a little bit more of a finesse guy, mm-hmm. keeps you off balance. Huddy comes in, throws 100. Chafin, who was very underrated last year, had a great year. Randall Delgado's been good. Yeah, the thing, Chafin's always got that same look. Oh, Never yeah. changes. Strikes he's, a guy out, just stare ahead. He has, walks a guy, stares ahead. As Bill ahead. Raftery likes to say, he's got onions, <laughs> yeah. you know? And you can see it. Yeah, he does. <laughs> also this I week. I Bill Raftery. He's great. The he kiss. Is. Yeah. The Diamondbacks got a deal done with A.J. Pollock, which was great to see. A.J. made $520,000 last year. So the team bought out his first two arbitration years, a two-year, $10.25 contract. He will make reportedly $3.5 million this year, $6.75 million for 2017, and then he'll have one more year of arbitration to go before free agency, and it's at that point we're following the two-year deal. They can then reevaluate and think about another deal uh, for a longer term and maybe buy out the first few years of free agency. You know, when I first heard about that, I thought, that's kind of a strange deal. But the more you look at it, what it does, it kind of sets the budget. I mean, you know what you're going to be paying him. Cost and, certainty. Yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, you don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to, oh, what if it's this amount or, you know, what do we do here? So you've got that in there and you know he's on the book for that amount for two years. There's a great lesson to be learned here, and I think the Diamondbacks played this, and these are big contracts, A.J., and the same thing is going to happen with Goldie, and these are obviously very, very important deals. But there's a great lesson to be learned here. Don't give a guy a big, long-term, three- or five-year deal before you need to. Right. And we learned that lesson with Aaron Hill and some other guys. Mm-hmm. Can't, you know, Kevin Towers traded for Prado, gave him a four-year deal, $40 million. Aaron Hill got three for 36 But... They didn't need to do those deals, maybe with Prada because they traded him and you wanted to show you were committed to him. But you don't always necessarily need to give a guy a big five, six, seven-year deal. Go two years here, you know, one year here, and then reevaluate, see where you are. Because in A.J.'s case, look, he's going to be a great player, already is. But it does give you a chance to, okay, it's been two years. Let's see where we are. What do you think you're going to be worth? Here's what we think you'll be worth. And work out another long-term deal. So you're not tying yourself in to a long-term contract if a guy's performance drops off. Yeah, and I think the Diamondbacks, too, have shown that, you know, they've committed to these guys. Oh, yeah. With, with the roster that they're putting together. We know how good you are. We know how good you're going to be, continue to be. We love your work ethic. And we're going to get some guys to put around you that can get us to where we want to go and where you want to go. And Tony LaRusso said this on the radio the other day. Oftentimes, the national media will talk about what the Diamondbacks have done in this offseason and say it's a three-year window because they look at Shelby yeah. Miller's contract. They look at Goldie's contract. And it, there is – it all ties in. There are a lot of – They're Gene absolutely Se- correct. Gene yeah, Segura is yeah, another guy has yeah. got three years left. But Tony said, we're not looking at three years no. here. We're looking at a five- or six-year window. Because, because all these young players are going to give those players on the lower level of the minor leagues an opportunity to develop and move them right on in. If they're trade bait, they're trade bait. If they replace somebody on the current roster, they've got that available. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. Down the road here, yeah. after three years, we're planning on supplementing yes. the roster with new guys who we will spend the next three years developing. And they've already got a pretty good influx of guys there that you know, in, in the organization on that rookie league level to single A, to double A, and then on into triple A. And they've taken some hits on that. Oh, yeah. Because I time. look at... I look at prospects as currency. Mm-hmm. Like, there's cash. You can go out and spend money on a free agent like they did with Zach Greinke, who I just met earlier today, by the way. Very nice guy. He's here working out. This is his first day. Or you can spend prospects, which kind of equate to money, and go get a Shelby Miller. So you've lost Aaron Blair and Ender Inciarte and Dansby Swanson and Isan right. Diaz, but there's still a lot there. So when... When people see the team trading off prospects, don't think of them as prospects. Think of them as currency because you're bringing in what you need to win now, and you still have some left over to develop over the course of the next three years. You know the guy who I'm really anxious to see perform this uh, this spring? Who's He's that? got a lot to prove, not only to the Diamondbacks, but to himself as Archie Bradley. 
He looks great. He's been here I for think, a while. Yeah, I think uh, he's other. This is a this is a quarterback. He's got a good mindset. Uh, a, a kid who has had a lot of pluses in his co- or high school and professional career, who's now had a major setback. Of course, the beaning, the uh, hit in the head, the the setback there, and then the shoulder. Yes. Last year. So I mean, this is big for him. But I think Archie's of the makeup where he's going to bounce back. And he might be the Archie Bradley that the Diamondbacks thought they had. You know my favorite thing about Archie, the one thing that everybody forgets? He's 23 years old. Yeah, I know. He's old. really young. We forget that because yeah. we've heard his name here for four or five years. He's 23. And I didn't really like losing Aaron Blair. I thought, you know, he was a young guy that uh, is going to be a good pitcher. But he's not that much younger than Shelby Miller, number one. Plus, you've got Bradley, you've got Shipley, and you've got others coming along. Alex Wood. Wood, the, that's the name I was getting, the lefty. You know, I, I was talking about this with some of the other broadcasters at the Fox thing I was talking about Monday and Tuesday because everybody asked, hey, how's your team doing? Mm-hmm. What do you think? And everybody was coming up to me, the broadcasters and the analysts. Wow, you guys have really done a lot I this year. I got a year. lot it's of the same fun. stuff from text and everything this yeah. offseason. But you have discussions about offseason moves, not just with this team, but others. And here's the thing that you here's the place where you end up as much as the internet wants you to you can't just collect prospects it doesn't do you any good now the braves now have the number one farm system all they're not all going to make it right but eventually you have to use them as i said as currency and put the chips in the middle of the table and go all in you can't just sit here and collect to freddie freeman about prospects and how he's going to like playing with that team he might like it in four years, but yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, he's not going to like it right now. Exactly. It's because be he a... signed a contract because he liked where the Braves were going. Yep. They dismantled all that. Now they're rebuilding again. And they have a lot of talent. There's no uh, question yeah. about that. Their system is loaded now. But you, you can't. They go just... to their new stadium next year? Yes, next year. Uh, I, I sat, had dinner, actually, with um, with Chip Carey and Joe Simpson, and they're, they're excited about uh, the situation. They're well, worried they about be, the traffic yeah. up there. but Yeah. Because it's a very congested area at the top of their perimeter, north of Vinings, if you're an Atlanta well, person. Joe, just get him a helicopter and helicopter him. <laughs> he might. <laughs> but you can't sit here as an organization and just collect guys and hope for the best. Eventually, you have to figure out a way to translate that into wins on the field. Everybody and wants to win a World Series. I don't care how you get there to do it. Do it. Well, one of the guys we think uh, is ready to be a big league impact player and a future star who's been a prospect for a while. Leo. Well, it's about time. Are we still holding out hope for him to, are to come through and live up to his potential? You going to try and buy me out of my arbitration years? I think you're well beyond I don't those. think it'll cost very much, <laughs> no. I can tell you that. No. Pretender or We'll do a pretender or contender segment like we used to do on SportsCenter. Leo Gilmartin, pretender or contender? There you go. I'm going to say pretender. Yeah, it's a good call. But anyway, as I was saying, one of the guys we think uh, has been a prospect for a long time and one of the big ones and is ready to do great things at the big league level is our guest this week. Here he is. All right, friends, it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, our first guest tonight is, uh, he's so good. Celebrities are here in profusion, one after another. Not only superstars, but really super people. My guest. My guest. Would you welcome him, please? Very pleased to have with us on this edition of D-Backs Podcast, Diamondbacks infielder Brandon Drury is here. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me. You have to talk. He, he started nodding. This is an <laughs> audio exercise. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, how was the offseason? What did you do? Where would you go? Who would you see? I stayed home for most of the offseason and uh, trained really hard uh, in the weight room. And, you know, my diet was really clean, a lot of baseball stuff, just trying to really be as prepared as I can for this season. I went out to Vegas for about two weeks and worked out with uh, Tulowitzki. That's so, the, the Camp Tulo that we always hear about. Yeah, went out with him for a couple of weeks and worked on my swing, worked on some stuff, and, you know, got got some stuff fixed up and cleaned up, and, you know, I'm feeling good now. So Is home still Oregon? Yeah. Okay. And uh, what did you get fixed up and cleaned up? Are you talking about mechanically, yeah, physically? mechanically, mechanically. Uh, you know, I had some stuff last year. I was kind of battling all year. I couldn't really find my swing. So um, went out with him and worked on some stuff and to take it home and work on it with my dad. And, you know, I just feel really good right now. Mechanically and physically, I'm ready to go. We have heard legendary stories about Camp Tulo. What, what, what is it like? What happens? What, how does the, the day go? Uh, it's, uh, 
we'll hit, uh, you know, in the morning, and then we'll go do our weight stuff or stretching or whatever. Uh, we were more focused this off season on, you know, body, like keeping your body loose and staying lean and light. Uh, as middle infielders now, as I'm playing second base, I want to stay as lean and as light as possible. I don't want to get too big. So I'm really trying to, you know, stay stay lean and explosive. So we do a lot of stretching stuff, a lot of body weight, a lot of band work, you know, and we would hit a lot. We'd go hit for, we'd be at the cage for four hours sometimes, you know, hit and wow. uh, just uh, just trying to get better every day. So he he's a worker and so am I. So it's it's fun being with guys like that and learning from a guy like Tulo who's, I think one of the best players in the game is, uh, you know, it's, it's it's awesome. He's your guy, huh? He's he's I've I've read that and I've read articles where people have talked to you about. He's he was your favorite player coming up. Is that true as as a youngster? Yeah, and then he uh, I met him and he kind of took me under his wing and he's just we've been talking a lot and working working out in the off season ever since and he's uh, you know he's helped me a lot with everything. He's kind of teaching me the ropes in baseball because I he started as a young guy and you have a guy like that. Who takes you under his wing? I, I I got lucky, you know. Did he seem at peace uh, now that the you know he he spent some time in Toronto? Wasn't happy, obviously, when the trade came down the way it came down. But did you sense that uh, he's at peace with the way things are going right now? Yeah, I think he's happy. I think it's whenever you get traded, you get caught off guard, especially in the middle of the season like that. He was with the Rockies for so long, but yeah. you know, uh, I think he's I think he's more comfortable now that he's been there and. He's ready to go. He's going to have a big year. Talk about your uh, 2015 season. Arguably, uh, you were probably the Diamondbacks' best hitter in spring training, but did not make the major league roster. Uh, went back to the minor leagues, came back up, uh, or I should say came up for the first time to the major leagues. Got a chance to get uh, a little taste of uh, major league baseball. But take us through the 2015 season. Start. Was it a disappointment when you were sent out, or did, did you expect that even though you had had such a good spring? I was disappointed. I mean, I'll be honest. I, uh, when you work as hard as I work and, and you, and you perform, it's, it's a letdown to, sure to get sent down. Even if you're not expected to make it, it's still a letdown. But to say I came into camp expecting I was going to break, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I was, I wasn't, but I was let down obviously. And, but I went to, uh, the season, I went to double A, didn't play great, kind of just battled there for like three months. Uh, then went to AAA, played pretty good, just kind of couldn't really get it going. I mean, I, I had decent numbers, but I just didn't feel great all year. I was just in battle mode the whole time. So that was frustrating. And then uh, obviously the call-up was exciting. Had some good games and, you know, learned a lot just just to just to get that month and play with the big league guys and play in big league stadiums is a – I mean, you can't really – Makes you want to stay, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes you want to stay, and it, it's it's good to get my feet wet. So now you know what it's about. I remember the series you had at Dodger Stadium. You hit the two home runs. What was that like? I can't even really explain it. It was, <laughs> uh, it was awesome. I mean, it's just – you can't really do anything but just enjoy that because I know how hard baseball is. You know, it's – I was hitting maybe about .40 a couple weeks through AA, you know, so to – so when you ever you have you get a hit or you have a good game, you're you're happy, especially when you're doing it, you know, in in the big leagues. You just I can't even explain, you know, how how good that feels to have that work pay off and see it at the big league level. And you not only like do it, but just to see that you can play there. Even though I always believed I can, just to do it and know you can, it's you know it's it's different. It's nice. I'm trying to remember were your folks in L.A. for that series? Did they come down? No. Okay, did they see any of the games on TV? What was yeah. that part of it like for you? Yeah, what do you mean? They were, they were watching the games on TV. Yeah, they okay. Yeah. But is are there, I mean, hey, did you call after the game? Do they call you? I mean, I imagine uh, there's a... Yeah, text, a lot of text. That first homer, my phone was blowing up. Everybody was texting <laughs> me. Uh, when I left the field, I got on the bus, you know, I'd, or before I got on the bus, I'd talked to my family on the phone and they're all excited and you know it's it was awesome i'm looking forward to you know more days like that in the future you know yeah. you, you came into professional baseball at a very young age and you're still very young you've moved up the ladder rather quickly would you agree with that somewhat i mean you're you've already had major league uh, experience a lot of guys you know it takes them some time but um you mentioned the experience you got on that major league level. How do you look at that now as helping you going into 2016 prepare for making the opening day roster? Yeah, I think I just, just to get the experience, you can't really explain it. Just to, 
be there in the big leagues and playing in big league stadiums and just to know what it's about and know how to prepare. Not only seeing the guys like Goldschmidt and Pollock and those guys, how they go about their business. So to just see them and learn from them and, like I said, just getting your feet wet just to know what it's about so big so you're not you're not going out there with that, like, debut feel where you feel like you're almost like you don't know what's going to happen. You know, now I, I feel like I, I've seen, I can play there, I can I can have good at-bats off the best in the game. Like, now, uh, now I'm just excited for the season to go just have fun and, you know, let my ability take over. It, it's funny. You, the way that you, you know, we observe, that's what we do, it's part of our job. But in observing you, the way that you go about your business is so impressive because you really do, it seems to me, approach this as your profession. And it's a job, and there's, there's a skill set, and those skills have to be worked on. Everybody practices. Everybody takes batting practice. But you seem to have that extra special approach to it, like this is my job, and I really want to be good at my job. Does that make sense? Is that accurate? Yeah, it, 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 it is my job. So sure. I, don't, I don't feel like it's a job. I feel like it's a – We don't I, feel like ours is a job. Yeah, it's, a, it's the best <laughs> no, job No, I don't mean that you feel that, yeah, but right. you approach it that yeah. way. You're very serious about the way you go about your business. It's very serious, yeah. yeah. I think too serious at times. Sometimes I wish I could just loosen up and have fun with it, but it, I take it very serious. I – I, I know you get one opportunity to make it in this game, and I've uh, I just I, I really want it. So I I love the game, and I work hard, and I just I, I like I said. But hey. I think it speaks to a maturity level, Gub. Sure. And, and and the makeup that we always hear about. There's no doubt about that, yeah. and uh, you know that experience is just going to help you as you go forth. Has anybody talked to you about what? position they want you to concentrate on or are you coming in here planning to play some third base and some second base yeah i'd say planning on both uh i was big i, I get big in the season you know i have a my body type will get big in a hurry so i can't play second base when 230 so I, i've come to camp light you know i'm at 210 like 15 so you look like you'd lost wow. yeah. yeah 15 yeah. pounds light um i feel good on my feet i mean you know, i'm ready to I feel strong, so you know, at, at the plate, I feel stronger than I was at 225, like before. But you know, I feel like I can play second base now at a as a, as an athlete. I don't feel big, you know. Now, was that all you, or was that the recommendation of the the training staff? Also, hey, you know, uh, let's get you down to a certain weight. Did you talk about that before you left for home? No, it was on me. I know uh, in the season, I kind of I don't eat as good, and you can't do the same workout. So I just I I knew that. I got an opportunity here to play both third and second base, and I feel like if I'm lean, I'm going to be a better second baseman. And if, if I can stay strong, which I feel like I am, I can play both. So I just think it's best for both positions. The minor leagues last year was almost down the middle, wasn't it, second base, third base, in terms of starts and playing time? I don't know, to be honest with you. I was playing second base a couple times a week, though. So yeah. first year of that, it was You can even play good. short, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah I yeah. played short a yeah. little bit. In the, in, the, in the big leagues, yeah. Yeah, one game. Yeah. What's the difference for you, second base, third base? What are the challenges of each spot, and what are the differences? I think third base is just reaction. Like, I could just stand there and just just play, I feel like, because mm -hmm. I've been playing there for the last six seasons, and it's just uh, it just it just feels natural. Towards our second base, that was my first full season playing. I'm out at second base, you know, thinking about situations and, and cutoffs and stuff like that because it's not it, – it didn't just come as second nature like third does. So I'm working, getting better at it. Uh, you know, it'll all get more comfortable at the time. It's footwork too, isn't it? Yeah, which is why being light, lighter now is going to help with second base. Yeah. Or on the bag too. You've been such a good hitter on the minor league level, but what's maybe one area that you want to improve on – uh, going here into 2016, is there any one aspect offensively that you want to get better? You want to get better at everything, obviously. But is there one area you're really maybe going to concentrate on? Yeah, I just don't want to give up any at bats this year. I feel like I look back at the end of the season and I, I give up at bats sometimes. Like you, uh, I don't know, maybe you have two hits and you you get big on your last at bat because you have two hits. Or like if I'm struggling that day, I feel terrible and. Uh, it's just one of those games, like sometimes I'll just kind of – Get it go, over with? Yeah, I've never been a guy that just – I don't feel like truly gives up my bat at bats, like quits. I've ne I'm not, I, I don't have that in me to quit, but like mentally I'll kind of not be 100% in every at bat or I'll go up to the plate, you know, not looking for exactly what I want, which I think everybody does that. But if I can limit it and be, you know, 100% locked in on every pitch, just one pitch at a time, I feel like I'm going to look up and, you know, see some – see some good numbers 
When you say get big, what do you mean by that? It's just you, three one. You need to get big, or or if you if you get the pitch you want, sometimes you get big, or you try to do too much. Charger, if I just stick with my approach and and, and stay hard through the middle, and the pitch is a hanging breaking ball, you know you're gonna you're gonna crush it. You don't have to try to get big. So I just don't want to give up at bats doing doing you know stuff I shouldn't be doing or trying to do too much or not. Not I mean, they always say stay within yourself. Yeah. It's exactly. a cliche, but it's yeah. a, it it works, right? Yeah, it does. I I think you gotta you want to swing hard and you want to do damage, but at the same time you can't change your mechanics and change your approach all the time. I'm gonna really try to stick with my approach the whole year and not try to change it and make adjustments. I want to make adjustments, but I want to trust myself. Not one bad game. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna just go with it. The, the thing yeah I like I like about his stats that I've seen since you've been a minor leaguer and, and been following you since we were at the Diamondbacks. The home runs are going to come, but those 50 doubles it's a season, else, 40, 50 doubles, I mean, to me, that is big time because, you know, you're getting yourself in the scoring position, you're gapping it, you're, you're hitting the ball the other way. Uh, I, I like a guy who can contribute a lot of doubles. Uh, it, that's starting rallies, that's getting well, runs batted in, and, and that seems to be your game. Yeah, especially right. in this division yeah. with these big ballparks and these big gaps. Yeah, I uh, power is a funny thing because you you can hit a ball five feet high as hard <laughs> as you can possibly hit it, and you can you can hit a single, or you yeah. can you know be a little out front and just pop it up down the line. It's a home run. So I think uh, it's a weird thing. I think doubles is you can hit you know a line drive in the gap, and that's a double. Towards where homers is, I I can't really explain it. I think like I said, I fixed some stuff mechanically now. I think I'm gonna have more more carry on, on on my balls but this year but at the same time like I was hitting some balls as hard as I could possibly hit last year in triple a they were you know three feet high like I just I couldn't get in the air I was just hitting line drive so I can't really worry about the power as much as hitting the ball square because I, I trust that the power is going to come and it has in the past I think last year was just one of those years I just couldn't get it going like I said I was I go up to the plate choked up battle and trying to punch something through the middle first at first pitch first at bat because I just I didn't I could not feel my swing I just grinding yeah is that the kind of thing that feeds on itself because we see that all the time we say okay this guy's fighting it a little bit or he's digging or he's pressing and then it just be it just generates a cycle where as you say you know it goes on for six weeks two months and the numbers aren't there is that what you found to be the case yeah, I think that once you start thinking like, oh, I feel bad, and okay, I'm going to grind today, and then that turns into the next day you're grinding, and then the next day you're grinding, and now you're just telling everybody that you're grinding and stuff rather than just having one day where you don't really feel it, trusting yourself, not doing not doing anything crazy, but trusting yourself that it's baseball. You're going to stick with what works, what's worked for you know, the last six years, and then the next day you trust yourself and you have the same swing as the day before, and you might have a great day. It's just you, I, I feel like in the past I've gone – like I've I've went on my results like at bat at bat like I try to change all the time you know I I don't want to do that this year I want to trust myself if there's adjustments to be made there is each pitch on the pitcher you know you got to be smart but just because you have a bad game or don't feel good I don't think that I don't think that you need to change everything guys like Goldie and Pollock I I, I don't think I've I mean they're making adjustments every at bat and they're working on everything every single day but I don't see them have a have a game where they get no hits and then just like come to the field and try to work on something new, you know? Like yeah. they know they're good hitters. They know that the number is going to come. They just they just trust themselves, which that's what I'm trying to get to. It's not easy, you know. But I would think that there's great value in going through something like that at the minor league level because that's part of developing, isn't it? Part of learning. Yeah, I think that to have a season where you just start grinding and you 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 learn a lot about yourself. I think it makes you tougher to. I mean, when it, when you're going good, who who isn't going to be happy and who isn't going to be feeling good? Like it's easy to be a, a good teammate and feel good and be happy when you're hitting homers and making diving plays. But to have a season where you feel like you're just grinding all year, especially, you know, in, in that Southern League where you're crushing balls that are getting caught at the wall that are gone anywhere else. And, you're, you know, you're playing in the rain and it's just it's frustrating. So I think to go through a season like that where it's frustrating and you're grinding all the time, like it really teaches you like, kind of about who you are and makes you tougher, makes you a better teammate, makes you, you know, better. And then, you know, hopefully in the end, it's going to make you a better player. There's a lot on his plate, and I'm sure he's talked to several. Has Dave Baggett, the new hitting coach, contacted you at all? Yeah, 
he uh, texted me in the off season, and uh, we've talked a couple times, sent some videos back and forth, and talked. You know, I'm looking forward to working with him. I know the emphasis is on fewer strikeouts for the whole yeah. team, not yeah. you specifically, but the whole team is, hey, let's put balls and play more off and more contact. I like that. I've I've uh, I've always had a, a two strike approach, just trying to grind out at bats. Uh, there's times where you you know. If there's a double play situation or something, you don't want to just tap the ball and play. I'm not a speed guy, so you know, there's times to be smarter about it. But overall, I feel like, yeah, I mean, two strikes, if you can choke up or spread out or even just shorten up your swing and make something happen, that's, you know, that's obviously it's going to help the team win, get and, a guy on base rather than a strikeout. And who did that better than Kansas City last year? I mean, Productive just watching outs, them in yeah. the postseason was unbelievable. I, I'm sure you're excited about what the team has done during the offseason. Uh, you know, the acquisitions of Granke and uh, and Miller uh, yesterday picking up Clippard, uh, Gene Segura, kind of makes that infield uh, a little bit uh, younger uh, with his – Acquisition. I guess he's going to play a little bit of second base too. But uh, a lot of youngsters on that. It's a young ball club. And you got to like that. You you just fit right into the mix. Yeah, we got a bunch of great players here. A bunch of great guys too. You know, everybody's here early, working hard. Uh, I think it's going to be a special year, to be honest with you. Just with the with the talent and the uh, just the kind of people we have here, I feel like we got a chance to do you know something special for a long time. I mean, it was one after another, a yeah. rapid fire there for a while as they had one guy and then another and another. What are you thinking when you're seeing this on your phone or the Internet or wherever and you're finding out, oh, okay, here's Greinke and here's Miller and here's Segura and Clippard and on and on? It's exciting, you know, guys like that to get on not only on your team but to take him off of the Dodgers is huge for us too because yeah. not – I mean, it's, it's like – I don't know, it's it's – it's even more powerful, I guess, for the division to take him off and then put him on our team is, is huge. He was the best pitcher in the game last year. So to have a guy like that and Shelby Miller as well, who's a horse, just uh, – Do you face Granky in September? No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't face Granky. Did you face Kershaw? I faced Kershaw, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know you did. Yeah. Yep. Probably lucky I didn't face Granky. <laughs> He's got some good stuff. By the way, you live in one of the most beautiful states in the country, Oregon. I mean, it's uh, – Grants Pass you grew yeah, up, right? Yeah. It's still there? It's a great state. Yeah. 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 It, uh, you do a lot of fishing? No, I don't really do too much, to no. be honest with you. I'm uh, – I'm in the gym and in the cage a lot. Yeah, I like that. It I goes like back that to what we were talking about. Yeah. I mean, if there's a baseball version of a gym yeah. rat, which is a basketball term, it's it's you, isn't it? Yeah, I like it. I, uh, I'm not just, I, I, you know, like I said, I love the game, and yeah. I wanna, I wanna do. Uh, I just wanna. I, I know, like I said, you get one chance, so I'm not gonna waste my opportunity that I have here in Arizona, and I'm just gonna give it all I got to be the best player I can be and help the team win. I've got one final for you, and we go back to, to the trade which brought you to the Diamondbacks. Which looks better and better every year, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it really trade. does. You know, Delgado's gotten better and better. Uh, but when you were traded at that young age, what were you thinking? It shocked me because I didn't know. That's all I knew was Brave for yeah. three years, you know. that's From 17 to 20 years old, that's what I was as a Brave. So to see I got traded, was it was crazy. I think I got lucky that Ahmed got traded with me, so he kind of was with me all the time here and taking me around kind of, you know, took me under his wing as well. But uh, it was crazy just looking around and seeing guys you've never seen before and new unis and being in Arizona and just everything was totally different. But it uh, it took some time to get used to, but it's baseball, so it's it's the same game. Number 27 this year, huh? Yeah. Any particular reason? I just I like number twenty seven. I'm a big Mike Trout fan too, so yeah, I thought that was cool. He's to pretty good. Have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not bad. I think Mark Run was Mark Reynolds the last guy to wear twenty seven, or did somebody else wear that recently? I don't know, but yeah, it's a pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty good number for you. Yeah, I like that. Well, we're looking forward to watching you. Know, thanks again for taking some time out. You were out there throwing with Nick Ahmed a moment ago and stopped in between uh, lifting, so we real appreciate it. All right, thank you guys, Brandon Jury. That'll do it for another episode of D-Backs Podcast, episode 32. Don't forget, fans, single game, regular season Diamondbacks tickets go on sale February 16th. That is next Tuesday, one day before pitchers and catchers officially begin workouts here at Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. Also, just one week from Saturday, things are getting busy here, Gub. You're back just in time. I know. 
It's our 12th annual Subway D-backs Fan Fest, Saturday, February 20th. Let me put that on my calendar. Oh, it's already on there. <laughs> you got all the times of the games in there. I, yeah. So you're way ahead of the game. Well, here. you know what? That's the best thing they came up with. You, you just hit on the Diamondback, and it'll put your schedule right Oh, on the you. old yeah. MLB at, app? Yeah, just uh, on my regular calendar. It puts all the games in there. You have mastered technology. No, it's easy. You can't do that? Uh, I, I'm in the middle in terms of <laughs> being technologically savvy. But anyway, friendly. I have FanFest in there. Noon to four, Chase Field admission is free. You get it absolutely free, which no only makes this better. Saturday, February 20th, D-Back season ticket holders, as well as those who are in the D-Back's Give Back Jersey program, will get in early. It's noon to four, but if you're a season ticket holder or you're in the Jersey program, you can get in at 11 o'clock which is big because they have all the stuff on sale there. The game used bats and balls and jerseys and bobbleheads. And you get first crack at buying this stuff uh, if you get in there early. So check out D-Back Season Tickets. But Fan Fest is coming up a week from Saturday. Autograph sessions, photo sessions. You can walk all over the field. You get a tour of the Diamondback Clubhouse, which is great. You get to go in the clubhouse. Yeah, it's kind of neat to see if you haven't seen it before. And, you know, we're we're also lucky because a lot of teams – you know, that don't live in Arizona, obviously, with the weather, have to have their fan fest at a hotel. Like the Red Sox had one at Foxwoods Casino, I think, or you're in some hotel or convention center. We get to have our fan fest on our field. Try and get a group of people in Fenway Park's (laughs) club. By the way, (laughs) did you see what they're doing with Fenway this week? They're having a winter carnival thing, and it's snowing in Boston. But they created, you know, uh, if you're a ski jumper in the Olympics and you go down that giant ramp, they built in Fenway Park on the field a ramp that is twice as high as the Green Monster. Twice as high. Twice as high. There are pictures on the Internet about this. It's fantastic, and it's, it's a big, giant slide. Like, uh, remember the banana splits when yeah. they went down yeah. that yeah. slide? It's one of those, only it's like a big ski jump. Well, it, you've seen, the, you know, at Wrigley, up in the press box, there's that, that black and white photo of uh, right. someone ski jumping over Wrigley yeah. Oh, yeah. or into Wrigley or however you want to put it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. Remember last time we were at Fenway, we took the tour. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Went behind the wall. Even you went. I had ne- I born yeah. and raised in Boston. Yeah. I've been to a million games at Fenway Park. I had never gone inside the wall. It was fun. Got the Got chance to sit in uh, Ted Williams' seat. The red seat out yeah. there, I think 520 feet in right field. We're there in uh, August this year. We go to Mets Toronto, and, uh, Boston, and Baltimore. No, we go to uh, yeah, we, we play the Mets in Boston. Oh, yeah, yeah, as far as teams we play. Yeah, I, I, I was talking AL road. East yeah. in that because yeah. we play the AL East this year. Yeah. yeah, and Baltimore and Washington, the last road trip with San Diego yeah. starting that. So that's a long road trip right before the season ends. I'll tell you this. Um, I used to go to Camden Yards all the time. Cindy and I would drive down from Connecticut because it's, eh, it's like five, six mm. hours. Um, if you've never been to Oriole Park at Camden Yards, go there. It is great. The weather that time yeah, of year will beautiful. be sensational. You can ride on the harbor there. It's it's a great place to go. Uh, so all that's coming up. Get your tickets. Good stuff. While they're hot, spring opener here, March 1st against the University of Arizona. Uh, is that going to be a webcast? That'll first? be a web. Okay. Yep, we'll Make have that one available. Are you Make televising the first uh, game on the third? I think I want to. We're radio on it. I hate to say, uh, I think our you're first game is the think so. fourth. Yeah, I don't think you're doing the. the yeah, first. we're not doing the U of A game. I think our first TV game, and we do 10 this year, 10 spring Yeah, I've noticed games there are more TV. night games, it looks like. Is that because of the TV? You know, half, the, game, so. half no. the games we're televising are during the day, actually, yeah. for spring. But I think our first game is the fourth, but don't make that official. That don't would be with that. Oakland. Yeah, I might be wrong there, but it's somewhere in there. Camelback Ranch the next day with the Dodges. Individual tickets for spring training games at Salt River Fields at Talking Stick are on sale now. You can get them online at dbacks.com slash spring or at the Salt River Fields box office. Remember last year? It's a tough ticket to get. We drew more than uh, 350,000 fans last year, and Salt River is the only Major League Baseball spring training venue to exceed 300,000 fans for each of the last five years. Your first game is the sixth. Nice work. Look at Leo. The Cubs. There may be hope for you yet. Sunday the 6th. Who is the game against the 6th? The Cubs? Yep. Mm-hmm. That'll Here. be big. That'll be big. We'll have three or four under our belt. Yeah, already. we will have already yeah. done. Uh, we'll so be ready for the season. We'll plus, I'll have hung out in your radio booth <laughs> while you're doing the games annoying you, as I tend to well, do. Well, Farron may be our patrolman on that. we got to get him back, too. <laughs> 
He'll, he'll be outside the door. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Arms crossed. Well, there'll be a velvet rope across the booth. You're not on the list, sir. Trust me. No, you don't have to ask if your name's on the list. It's not. <laughs> He's got to be getting pumped. <laughs> that does it for our 30-second show, Season 2, Episode 7, The Whole Thing. Follow us uh, on the Twitter at D-Backs Podcast. Uh, Leo takes some terrible photos. They'll be up there. Oh, they're beautiful. How is the, tell did the story. You, did you tweet out a picture of Brandon Drury? Yes, yeah. I did. And you and I, I are a, sitting there looking at him like. I yeah. got a lot of hits, a lot of uh, likes, a lot of retweets. Look, look at the way he frames it these tells photos. A it's story. terrible. It tells a story. <laughs> yeah, the story is you don't know how to take a picture. This is going to come up in your arbitration here. Ah, oh, brother. Guests on D-Back's podcast receive our eternal gratitude. Uh, D-Back's podcast brought to you by Beverages by Hoffman. By Martin Paints, Martin Paints at Anches Paints, and Matzas by Strites. For the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the Earl of Grantham, the Governor Greg Schulte. Hoo-ha. And the Kingslayer, Leo Bad News Gilmartin. Mm-hmm. I'm Steve Berthume. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll talk to you again next week. From Salt River Field to Talking Stick, as pitchers and catchers officially begin spring training. So long, everybody. This has been another edition of D-Backs Podcast. The game is over. The Diamondbacks have got to win here. Thanks for listening. It's over. Go home. We'll see you soon at Chase Field for more D-Backs Baseball.